irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to Get Yourself the Job with Jennifer Hill only on LA Talk Radio. Well, happy Monday, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to Get Yourself the Job with Jennifer Hill. Today's show is brought to you by J. Hill Staffing Services, a division of Markham Search, a staffing and recruiting company servicing the Southern California area and specializing in legal and corporate placements. Today, we are excited to have with us on the show, Shannon Leishner. Shannon has joined us on the show three times before and is not only a world-renowned psychic medium and energy worker, but is also a dear friend of mine. Shannon was born with powerful inherited uh, gifts that came from her family for many years. For over 20 years, she has been changing people's lives through using intuitive guidance and angelic communications. Known as a spiritual catalyst, Shannon helps people all over the world uncover hidden abilities and remember their true spiritual path, assisting people to alleviate physical and mental beliefs that inhibit them, and directing them to find their divine life purpose is what inspires and motivates Shannon. She has an extraordinary ability to communicate and interact with, as well as to cross over spiritual beings. Her immense experience has taught her that there is definitely more to this world than we are able to see. She has many different energetic techniques, including Reiki, Theta healing, spiritual healing, energetic uh, energy healing, and several others. Quite often when she does energy work on a client, she intuitively sees the root cause of an ailment or trauma and instantaneously helps them to shift to alleviate that, anything that no longer belongs to them or no longer serves them. Along with her metaphysical training, Shannon is a certified life coach and has an MPA in public administration with the six degree black belt in several styles. She was also a featured speaker and radio guest at ESETI International and also did some work on producing subliminal wellness CDs. Shannon has been a guest, of course, on my show, uh, LA Talk Radio, along with other hosts such as Cameron Datsker and Guy Towell. She also has done shows with Darkness Radio host Dave Schrader and Be in the Light with host Reverend Michael. So, Shannon, in 2012, she was featured as a guest at the Country Music Award Gala and the Madness Celebrity Event in Hollywood. She has been a featured guest at the Queen Mary Ship in Long Beach and has been featured in several publications, including Lightworkers Elite by Maximilian Lafayette, and will debut on several HBO televisions soon. So, Shannon, thanks again for joining us today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's rare. I think you're one of only maybe two guests, or I mean, you might be the only guest that we've ever had in the show three times. So I think you must be doing something right, because our listeners love you. Well, it's such an honor. I mean, you know, and, and when I hear when I hear my bio, sometimes I think, you know, I know that you can only write so many words, but it's not really describes exactly what I, it doesn't really describe exactly what I do, you know, and so uh, it's such an honor to have these opportunities to kind of talk about other things like like we always do. You know, we get into the really deep, wonderful things. 
Yeah, absolutely. And on the point of being just completely and 100% authentic with you and with everybody out there listening, when I printed your bio, it did not, for whatever reason, print the last uh, few words of every sentence. So I was filling in the blanks as we went, which was a first for me. So I may have ad-libbed your bio a little bit and added or subtracted something here or there. So I do apologize if I omitted anything that was important in your bio. No need to apologize. I actually enjoyed it. I was thinking, wow. (laughs) Because I had somebody rewrite it for me uh, uh, not too long ago, and I'm like, wow, they did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may have added a thing or two, but in the in the spirit of true authenticity and not uh, BSing people, I did have to ad lib a little bit there. But but the point of that is not honestly, it's not about our bios either which way. I mean, we all have pieces of paper, whether it's our resume or you know, something saying all of our accomplishments. And it's not to belittle or demean it, but that's not really who we are, to your point. Who we are is these beings who are having an experience out there trying to find out what the heck is our life purpose? Why are we here? And what stops us from having it all, having prosperity, happiness, joy, fulfillment? And why do we get in our own way? Oh, yes, definitely. And I think the other thing, especially right now, is everybody's going, what the heck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) because everybody's been asking me that question. (laughs) Yeah, and so tell us a little bit about that. When you say people are saying, what the heck is going on, and what context is that coming up? Well, I mean, I think a lot of us know in the media right now, and not even just the media, but in the world right now, there's a lot of uh, heinous acts happening. For instance, you know, the the Route 91 shooting um, was, was one of the most horrible acts that's happened in a very long time. And then after that, there were several school shootings that were happening. And someone had said to me, wow, you know, violence is, is, is on the increase. And I said, no, violence isn't on the increase. It is actually now being more televised, more mediaized. You know, it is actually going out onto Facebook a lot faster. We are, we are being let, know, let known that things are happening. But, you know, if we, if we think about our history, our history, we have one of the most violent histories ever, you know, and, and there was a lot of heinous acts that were happening in history. Um, but we didn't, we didn't hear about them except for in, in the, the history books. But, you know, I'm sure if they had a Facebook back then, people would be up in arms about all the horrible things that were happening. Yeah. And I think the thing that I would say that's important to keep our mind on is perspective. It's like anything in life. If you're looking for the bad in a person, in a situation, in a job, we're going to find it. And I think because we are being bombarded with news articles, Facebook posts, et cetera, with so many of the tragedies and traumas going on in the world, I think, unfortunately, that is uh, causing us to filter the world through a lens of frustration, anger, animosity, judgment, as opposed to realizing that it's a choice. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, it's your boss who's a jerk. I'm working on a new talk right now called I'm a Recovering Asshole. And, you know, we all have been, part of my French, but assholes at one point or another to friends, to family, to colleagues. And so how do we shift our perspective away from the trauma and drama in our lives and move towards something positive rather than just reacting to circumstances and situations? You know, you are so right. And and what I hear that is surrounding all of that is this fear. You know, when we live in fear and when we live in victimization, so, I mean, I'm not 
by any means demeaning what has happened to these people because I, I like you know, I was at Route 91. So yeah, and, and I you were shot. <laughs> yeah, I know you I were. I was shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but th- someone said to me one time, you cannot be a victim and a leader at the same time. So some people, you know, they they want to sit in the fear energy and they want to say, oh, you know, it's not safe to go out. It's not safe to do this. It's not safe to do that. When we start to fear, we hold ourselves back from our true success. And we hold ourselves back from amazing relationships and amazing experiences. This life was meant to be lived to the fullest, not meant to be lived in fear. Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with our intention behind anything. Uh, it was funny, David Guillaume, who was on the show last week, or actually a couple weeks ago, who was one of my teachers, he had just sent me a quick little text message talking about our intention and how our intention behind anything is decisive. Like, for example, somebody might be tuning into the show right now, and no good or bad or right or wrong, but they might be tuning in to zone out. So what's your intention? Is your intention to get value uh, out of what you're listening to, out of what you're hearing out there, out of who you're interacting with, or is your intention to have no intention? Are you sitting there and just responding and reacting to circumstances, people, situations? And that's why I feel so many people in the world have complaints about their lives because we could be living our lives like a ping pong or like a little uh, pinball machine, basically, you know, one thing happens and then the little lever shoots us up. And then next thing you know, we're going down the drain and then we do have a do over and we have to start all over again. And I feel like that's how some of us treat our personal lives, our professional lives and our general well-being is like we're this little pinball and not instead of directing and having energy and intention where we want it to be. Oh, I mean, I think that's that's the biggest thing, you know, what's the latest craze? Let's run towards that. You know, what's going on? Let's run towards that instead of having a true direction in their lives. And I love what you just said. You know, it's all about intention. What is your intention? And the biggest question I ask when people come to me is, what do you want? And I will tell you, 90% of the people don't even know that. And then the other question is, which is huge, is who are you? If you ask people that, they'll tell you their circumstance. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm this, I'm that, but they will not tell you who they are because they, most of them don't even know. And that's a great question to ask. I mean, if you're out there and you're somebody who's maybe feeling confused or frustrated or unhappy, I find that so many of us as career professionals or job seekers out there, no matter where we're at, we wind up leaving jobs or circumstances, but for something worse, because we don't realize what was missing in the first place that had us to have a lack of fulfillment or joy or prosperity. And so I think that that is the question is, who are you? It kind of makes me think of, wasn't it Allison in Wonderland, the Cheshire cat who says that to Allison, who are you? I'm I'm doing a horrible impression and I definitely should not do voiceovers but you know that moment where he says that to her and the whole movie of Alice in Wonderland and the book is about the inquiry of who are you and discovery of the self yes absolutely and and it is that thing who are you and it really takes some some thinking uh, when a lot of my clients come to me and they and I ask them that who are you and a lot of them will say well I don't even know so then you go to the next question what's your passion they don't even know that and so what I normally have them do is carry around a little notebook and in the notebook as they're driving or whatever, if they find something they're very good at or something that they're passionate about in that moment, they write it down. So let's say that they're, 
uh, highly, you know, highly organizational, that they love, they love organization, well, that they're great, you know, they're great at organization, or if they're passionate about helping people, you know, that begins to describe the person rather than the circumstance. Yeah, I think that's great. And it's also understanding that we do react to people and circumstances. And I think that the more grounded you are in knowing what really matters to you and who you are, the less activated, triggered, and that you will take things personally at work or at home. You know, some t- if somebody goes into your office and says, you know, in my case, Jennifer, you're a bitch or you're an asshole, pardon my French. But if they say that to me, but I know who I am and I know that I... I don't even need to explain who I am to that person, that it's just a reflection of them in that moment and their own insecurities. And then I also have the opportunity to check in and say, okay, I do know who I am. Is there a chance that maybe I was being an asshole? And I get to check in and just see if it's true instead of giving my power to that person and saying, well, that person just said I was an asshole, therefore I am an asshole. And instead I get to check in and say, okay, is there anything that resonates as true in that statement to me in this moment? Or is there any way it could be true? Not that to make myself wrong, but just to check in internally. And I can check in and say yes or no, but without having it, without giving up my power and being at the effect or the trigger at the other end of somebody else's upset, if that makes sense. And you would be in somebody else's filter and you and I have talked about the filters before where you know we're using lenses to describe other people and there are lenses they're not really somebody you know they may even have nothing to do with the person Um, but what you're saying is extremely important because a lot of the time we judge people by our filters or how we see them and you know for instance at, at the workplace let's say that our boss is being a total jerk and we just don't understand why every time Every day he comes in and he's completely angry and, and we just hate him because he's a bad, bad boss, let's say. Well, have, has anybody even taken the, the time to think about what is he going through? Maybe he's dealing with a family member who's ill. Maybe he's dealing with someone who is an alcoholic and he doesn't get any sleep. Or, I mean, it could be many, many, many things. But we always are quick to judge a person for being who they are without really taking off the filter and beginning to look at the person. Yeah, I think it's a two-sided coin. It's the filter that we're listening to other people through and the filter that they're listening to us through. So at the end of the day, you're kind of getting this mashup of something that isn't real to either party, yet it feels real and sometimes in a very painful way and causes upsets and people to leave jobs or leave relationships where if you could, if either party, even if just one party in a circumstance where there's an upset can take responsibility for the filter that they're listening to someone through, you just solved half of that problem. And whether or not that other person ever removes his or her filter, you've just increased the capacity for tolerance, acceptance, and workability that wasn't there before because you're not just two reactionary beings having a reactionary experience. Absolutely. How many of us know that, um, we'll call it right now, the drama queen or drama king in the in the office? How many of us know that this person always has trouble with everybody? There's always something going on with somebody else, and and they are in complete victim mode. And this is going to follow them no matter where they go. So let's say that we're the ones in that mode where we're always having trouble with somebody. In that case, it's really important to take a look at us and say, what is it about us 
that is being triggered by all these people? And or what is it about us for our need to be the victim? Hmm. Because people, and you know, and we, we don't think about it like this, but some people and a lot of people benefit from being the victim. Yeah, and it's, and and that's hard the to thing. Hear. I know it's it's not something fun at all. I know my uh, coach Julian Adler taught me years ago about the drama triangle, and he said, "You're either being the victim, the hero, or the perpetrator." It's kind of like that old uh, Dudley Do Right cartoon where you had uh, Snidely Whiplash, and then you had Dudley Do Right, and then you had Nell, who was the victim. And if you're in any one of those stances, so if you're the perpetrator, so you're the person causing the upset, you're the hero trying to save the victim and prevent the perpetrator or thwart their efforts, or you're the victim who needs the saving or is having somebody attack or perpetrate against you. If you're in any one of those stances, you're not being accountable. And the moment that you realize, oh my gosh, how could I be responsible? Not that you are not making yourself wrong, but just, hey, how could I take responsibility for my participation in this upset in the office or in the argument that I'm having with a friend or family member? The moment you've done that, you just left the drama triangle through accountability. Oh, exactly. I love that drama triangle. You know, it's <laughs> kind of like we, we, we run in the same hamster wheel, right? And, and until we step out of it and take a look at it, we don't really know. But I think what's most important, too, is some people may, may be listening to this and saying, well, you know, what if they're wrong? Why is it that I always have to look at myself? Well, well you are actually, I, you take a bigger stance when you begin to look at yourself to make sure, you know, like you were talking about checks and balances, that you are monitoring, monitoring and being accountable for your actions. If, in fact, you have not done something wrong and, you're, and you've, you know, done your checks and balances, then you kind of know it's the person who is, um, you know, especially if they're a narcissist, it's the person who is deflecting. They are projecting all of their stuff onto you. Well, it's it funny is you a say, good way to be accountable. It's funny you say that because I'm going to have to reflect and meditate upon that and see if there ever is a circumstance where you're not in some way responsible for how a situation turns out. So I'm going to have to meditate on that because I'm looking into it, and I think you and I were talking about this other day, specifically as it relates to passive-aggressive people. And one thing that that comes up, like say a, a narcissist might not fall into the category of what you just gave, but we have people who sometimes withdraw or might make snide sigh remarks and not be clear in their communication about their upset. So the two things that came up for me lately in working on this new talk that we're doing on how to uh, work with passive aggressive people is one is just if you're in the circumstance where you have somebody who's causing upset or you feel that is triggering you or causing an upset, what you might want to do is first listen to what they have to say, then actually hear what the upset actually is behind just the words. And then once you've done that, relate and relate to whatever it is that they're upset with and try and get in their world and then include them in a solution and then release them. Because sometimes, like you said, 
maybe there's a circumstance or a person in your life who is that trigger for you and does drive you crazy. And maybe you've done all the self-development work or personal development work you could do on yourself. And you've gone through all these exercises. And yet, for whatever reason, these two people still find themselves being triggered. At that point, it comes to releasing. You know, is it a good time for you to release that personal relationship or professional relationship or just be in a circumstance where you don't expose yourself to harm and you limit your exposure to that person by making a conscious choice, not through avoidance, but just through consciously choosing and going back to the earlier point of having an intention that all of your encounters with that person are as peaceful as they could possibly be, and then setting the intention to interact with the person to the extent that you need to in your personal or professional life, and just not to give it any energy beyond that. Maybe, I don't know. I love what you just said. You know, the fact that, you know, it, I, you know, it just it think, makes me think of an example. Um, let's say, for instance, um, you have someone who is constantly attracting, attracting narcissists. And, and I've actually had clients that come to me and they're like, I don't understand why every single man in my life is emotionally unavailable and constantly blaming me for things. And, you know, there was one lady I met, she says, I constantly attract narcissists but I don't do anything. She says, I've done all of this work. I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. I feel this way about myself. And I told her, I said, you know what? First of all, we never finish working on ourselves. When we're finished working on ourselves, we go home. But in the meantime, while we're here, we are attracting the exact lesson that we need. And it will continue to repeat each time greater than the next until we actually learn it. And so for those people who say, I continue to attract this type of person and I've been working on myself and I'm perfect and I, I don't understand why these people are coming, they really do need to take a look at what is it about me that continues to attract the same thing? What are my thoughts? How do I feel about myself? What have I learned in my childhood? And I actually go through this with people and I, we start looking at traumas in childhood. We look at the relationships in childhood what you've been programmed since childhood, and then how do you feel about relationships now? You know, and then you go into that thinking about, okay, what part of this am I, you know, triggering to attract these people? And how do I learn the lesson so I can get off that hamster wheel? And so I loved it that you said I have to meditate on that a little bit because um, you're right. I think, you know, in every aspect, there is a little bit of, I don't want to call it fault, but there is a little bit of a lesson for each of us to learn because we get we draw people into our lives that are teaching us something. Yeah, and and again, that's why I think it's and I don't think I have all the answers. That's why when somebody says something and I'm like, hmm, okay, does that resonate with me or does it not? And there is no right or wrong. There could be five or 10,000 people out there who uh, agree 100% with you and say, yes, absolutely. If you're dealing with a narcissist, that is, you know, the narcissist who is the instigator in it. And I've done the work I need to do. And then there might be another five or 10,000 people out there listening and saying, hmm, okay, well, maybe there is something I could do. And there is no right answer. That's the beauty of this. It's just an inquiry. We get to look into what occurs is true for you or what occurs is true for me. That, I think, in and of itself could be the lesson, is just seeing another person's perspective and going back to what you said earlier, we don't always know when Jim or Sue or Betty or Bob or whoever comes into your office or into your home is yelling or screaming or being a jerk or being passive aggressive or withdrawing from you, 
we don't know their story. That's why one of my favorite books is One Amazing Thing. And it ties into the movie Crash, too, which was out maybe 10 or 15 years ago, where you have these characters in both circumstances, the book One Amazing Thing or the movie Crash, where you judge them. You have very strong reactions to them. And then as you get into the backstory of each character, you have a 180-degree different perspective on the character. The minute you understand the one amazing thing that makes that person who they are, their story. And I just wish that we as human beings would take the time to get to know that other person instead of just fighting them tooth and nail, you know, if your boss is upset, etc. Just sometimes ask a curiosity question, inquire about what could really be going on, rather than assuming things and causing unnecessary upset. Absolutely. I love that. That is, I think you you hit something really, really strong there. You know, we can, we can cons- consistently look at someone else and what they're doing. And it's very important, I think, to look both ways. You know, yeah, they, they do have some blame in it. They do have some fault in it. But we also um, have to ask ourselves, you know, what is it that we've done to contribute to this? And like I said, I don't think any of us ever stop growing or healing ourselves or fixing ourselves. Yeah, and I do want to touch on something that you said earlier. You know, we started the show by talking about some of the things that were bombarded within the news, the negativity, the awful things that are out there in the world, and they are real things. So what are some ways that people might be able to handle stress, either personally or professionally, in a productive way rather than a reactive or victim, victimized way? Well, I, I always say first and foremost, if you notice the snowball starting, stop the snow before it's before it becomes something really big. Um, and if you know that you are being triggered emotionally by somebody, first of all, ask yourself the question: Is this part of my ego, or is this something that really needs to be addressed? Um, because a lot of us will react because someone bruises our ego, or someone says something that hurts our feelings. Well, that could be. But, you know, to ask yourself the question, is this something that really needs to be addressed or is it something that I just am am upset about? Um, Because I think they're two separate things. But once you've done that, when the snowball starts, stop it. Take a deep breath. Go go take a a walk. Because usually when we're upset is the time that we should not be, uh, you know, telling that person exactly what we think about them. (laughs) That usually usually makes it a lot worse. <laughs> Take a deep breath, you know, go come back when you're calmer and you can speak in a in a more professional way if you're at work or or more calm way if it's, if you're in a relationship. Cuz I always say, you know, there's so many relationships or people that want to handle something right now and this is the way it's going to be. And when you're angry, that's just going to cause the situation to, you know, to snowball and it's going to be this huge big fight or this huge huge big outburst instead of it being something that is productive. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It's funny, you actually hit the nail right on the head. I was was extremely upset about something. And the funny thing about an upset when you actually dissect it is when you're able to step away from it, you see that the person or situation wasn't really the thing you were upset about. It just happened to be sometimes it's something deeper or something personal. And somebody says something that just 
instigates that upset. Like for me the other day, I had the silliest thing happen where it was my mother-in-law's birthday and I'd ordered a cake for her on Instacart. And it's this great shopping website that I've been using a lot and the shoppers will deliver whatever groceries you order. So I thought, oh, you know what? My mother-in-law's flying in to help me with my dog. I am going to go ahead and uh, order her this and I don't have a car right now. So I thought, oh, this will be great. They'll go ahead and pick up a cake and some stuff for dinner. Well, of all the things I could have gotten upset about in the world, the Instacart person just decided not to get the cake. There I go. It wasn't available. I didn't get a replacement. And Shannon, if I'm being honest, I red misted. Red mist is something, it's kind of like the Hulk, except instead of turning green, you turn red and get really upset. And it's not pretty. It is like my ugliest, darkest side of myself. And in that moment, I was just really upset about the silly cake. It was a birthday cake. It didn't really matter one way or another. And when I was able to take a step back and look at it, it was like you said, the snowball effect of what really was going on was I was upset that my dog, my doctor told me my dog had a tumor, the dog had to have surgery, and I just had not in a healthy way released it or talked about it or dealt with the underlying upset. And the poor, you know, Instacart driver got the brunt of it because I was pissed off over a birthday cake, which had nothing to do with my dog. Does that make sense? completely you know I think what parent or mother has not done that you know I know that you have dogs but I will tell you our our families usually take the brunt of it I remember when I was going um, I was actually doing my master's degree writing my thesis working two jobs and I was a mother and a wife and I was so tired I mean I was living with this thesis and they kept sending it back and sending it back and I was just so frustrated and I think I probably yelled at my kids every single day. Aww. And I would always say, okay, I'm not going to yell anymore. I'm not going to yell. And then my thesis would get sent back to me and I just, Rawr! you know, I would, I would just, you know, I, 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 I like the red misting thing. Cause I, I would just, <laughs> oh, you people, do not like anybody that was around me. <laughs> it's not a good thing. <laughs> so I like the term. I like the term. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that it happens to everybody. We're human. We're going to have those moments where we're just so frustrated. But the problem is, is that a lot of us hold it in and hold it in and hold it in. And we want, you know, we're going to, in order to keep the peace, we're just going to stuff it. Well, you know, that just causes a volcano. The more you stuff your emotions, the more you stuff your feelings and don't release them in a positive, uh, helpful way, the, the more you're likely you are to explode. And not only that, but hurt your body in a physical way. Yeah, you just brought up something because what triggered it for me when you were talking about it is you said, is this something that need, that really needs to be upset about? Is it really something, is it this person or this situation that is upsetting me? And I remember in a program I did with Alison Armstrong a couple of years ago, she talked about these concepts. For men, it is uh, the venting of like, you know, sometimes if you've ever had a male or a masculine uh, oriented person, that person might just need to vent, you know, if say somebody cuts my dad off on the freeway and my dad's like, that jerk, that, uh, that asshole, pardon my French, but you know, that complete jerk. And most of us would say, oh, dad, it's okay. And we would try to placate where in that moment, what Allison explained is the man needs you to help, you know, get upset and be like, you're right. That person's such a jerk, et cetera. And for them, somebody who's a masculine oriented person uh, or testosterone driven, that's going to help them release it. And then on the flip side, uh, she explained, and this is something that I think I wasn't being personally responsible for, is that if you have somebody, uh, somebody who's maybe more effeminate, uh, more... Um, 
more feminine oriented, again, it could be male or female. So it's not a male female thing who's very upset. You need to empty your bucket or just like dump the trash. And so if you're being responsible for your well-being as a man or as a masculine person, a masculine female, it doesn't matter. If you know that you tend that way to ask somebody to help and just allow you to vent and vent with them. And then as a female, maybe to what she called like dumping your bucket of just having a friend where if I was calling you, Shannon, and I said, Shannon, you know what, I just need to vent and just, or not in my case, just to dump my trash and let it all out about all the stuff I'm upset about and just get out of my space. Because I think what happened for me is I just got so filled up with stress and anxiety and upset that it came out in an unhealthy way rather than dealing with it in an empowering way. I, it's so true. So very true. And, and you know, I was thinking when you were talking, it was making me, it was reminding me of shortly after the Route 91 uh, incident, there was a man who posted on um, on Facebook about how this has changed his life and how he no longer will, uh, you know, get angry at the person driving in front of him, that he will send them light because everyone deserves light. And so my son read this to me while I was driving because, you know, he's my co-pilot. <laughs> and so now every time I get upset and I'm like, ah, oh, that jerk, he goes, mom, remember the post, you're supposed to send them light. <laughs> and so he reminds <laughs> me, um, but it's sometimes like I don't have anywhere for that energy to go. You know, it's like, okay, well, I want to, I want to say something, but now I don't have anywhere for it to go because he's telling me, mom, remember the post. And then the other day I was talking to a woman and um, we were talking about something and I said, and she was saying, and I cried and he thought, and the guy that she was having the argument with thought that she was showing weakness. And mm. she said, you know, and we, we kind of agreed as women, we said, you know, when a woman cries, that's their most dangerous point because it's all that anger is now being stuffed in. And, and the only way to let it out is to cry mm. because the other ways are unhealthy. Right. And I mean, I know maybe crying is probably the unhealthy part too, but she had, she had jokingly said, you know, beware of a woman who cries when she's angry. And, and I thought, wow, you know, it's kind of true because you know, she, they're trying to dump it in a, in, a, in a productive way, just crying and just releasing it and letting it go. But, you know, sometimes even when, when a person sees that a woman's crying and they'll continue to push, they'll continue to, with the argument, or they'll continue to jab at them, that's usually when the volcano happens. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Or runner. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe in these sorts of circumstances that your best bet would be to, again, it, perhaps if you're dealing with a woman, just let that person express and say, is there anything else? You know, that's one of the things that I think Allison had taught me at that point. And just to allow ourselves, because I think we do bottle it up and we make ourselves and other people wrong. You know, my husband, you know, Ian still to this day makes me wrong. He's like, oh, Jen, don't cry. You know, I can't deal with it. And so if you don't have the freedom to cry, find somebody who it's safe to cry with or cry by yourself. Or maybe if you're feeling stressed or frustrated about personal or professional issues, you know, like you said, you could go for a walk, ask yourself if this is something that is worth being upset about. And, you know, if it is, you know, maybe take, find a buddy or a friend to release the upset with or to journal about it or write about it. And in doing so, it might help like a kettle, you know, let off some of the steam, literally. Absolutely. And the gym helps with that as well. I find that when I'm upset or, or when I have something I'm really trying to work through, the gym is just fantastic, you know, because by the time you get out of there, you've got endorphins running and 
all of this amazing uh, things going on with, on with your body that, you know, you kind of forget how upset you are at the moment. Yeah, I think it all comes down to, you know, just paying attention to ourselves, paying attention to others. And the more self-aware I think that we become, the less frequently that we have these huge upsets. For me, the red mist used to happen to me all the time, like several times a month it would happen. For me, that was all the time. And now I'm very fortunate that I have as many tools as I have. So it normally happens maybe once a year, twice a year, if I'm very irresponsible with my energy and, you know, taking care of my well-being. But I think that the more self-aware we become, the more personal development work we do on ourselves, the less likely we are to have these cataclysmic upsets that are going to derail us, our loved ones, or our professional lives, because it can have a lasting impact. It can lead to divorce. It can lead to being fired in a job. I've seen it happen on more than one occasion where somebody, you know, does not handle their emotional outbursts well and you know it does have a negative impact on the organization that they're working with and it can tarnish their reputation not only for that job but for jobs to come so taking that little bit of time to get to know yourself and figure out what your triggers are and spending that time you know to release it or to find a buddy who you can work with yourself on this sort of stuff or doing programs, you know, like working with you or working with Allison or somebody out there who can help you release these sort of upsets can help give you that freedom. So that way you're not always up against a wall on things. You know, um, one you're, what you're saying is making me, uh, reminding me about the brainwaves and how important it is for us to, to train our brains to go into a different state other than beta. And beta is that reactionary uh, high-stress state that most of us um, like to stay in. Um, and then when you get home, you can't sleep, you're all, you're all nervous, and, and, and things just don't stop. But if you can train your brain actually to be in, in a, a, a theta state, and theta is when we are the most productive, um, it's technically a state where it's that light sleep state but you can actually be wide awake and be in theta. And when you're in theta mode, you actually can, um, everything just rolls off of you. Everything just becomes not as important. And I, when I work with my clients, I have this new ability now where I can go energetically into the brain and calm their brain almost right away. Mm. And I put them into that theta state and then somebody goes, oh my God. I don't know what you did, but I'm calm. <laughs> and that's just part of going in and, and coaxing that energy of the brain to go into that theta state. Um, so that's, it's really important to kind of get that going. And I was going to mention on my website, I have a free video. It's, it's absolutely free. It's called um, uh, Achieving and Maintaining a Theta State. And it's uh, three minute long. And when you listen to it, it actually puts your brain into a theta state. That's amazing. So well, I wanted... Speaking of which, um, let's make sure the listeners know where to find your website. So where would people go if they wanted to find this video or information about working with you? So it's uh, shannonleishner.com, which, which is S-H-A-N-N-O-N-L-E-I-S-C-H-N-E-R.com. Perfect. And I know you and I have covered a lot of ground from how to deal with stress and trauma to dealing with difficult situations and people. What would be one or two points that you would love the listeners or anybody tuning in now or in the future to walk away from today's show with? Well, I think the biggest and most important, especially what's going on right now energetically with these high 
um, high energy waves, especially from the, the solar flares and everything, the biggest thing that you can do is, first of all, take care of yourself. If you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling um, sad or depressed or something, soothe yourself because that is, that is what we're here to do. No one in the world can make us happy. We can only make us happy. And then the other thing is to pay attention to your triggers. If you're being triggered by something, take a deeper look. Ask yourself, why is this triggering me? What does this remind me of? And how do I get past it? Mm, great advice. I mean, it's just taking that moment and pausing, and then you have access to new ways of being, right? Absolutely. And, and the biggest thing is to take a look at ourselves. What do we need? Yeah, I think it's great advice. That's why we keep having you back on the show over and over again, because we're so grateful for all of the wonderful wisdom that you always share with our listeners. So thank you, as always, for joining us today, Shannon. Uh, Next week, I invite everybody to tune in. We have Catherine Devereaux. It was funny. Catherine was actually the very first person to ever hire me as a recruiter almost 15 years ago. And she's now an expert in the field of different things related to technology. And she'll be joining us on the show to talk about how bots and technology technology are changing the way that companies are going to recruit in the future. So I invite you to uh, tune in next week at 4 p.m. to the show with Catherine Devereux. And additionally, if you miss uh, any portion of today's show, you can always find it on the LA Talk Radio uh, website under Get Yourself the Job or on iTunes under Get Yourself the Job on iTunes. We invite you to subscribe, listen at your leisure, and uh, catch any of the other episodes that you might have missed. So thank you again to everybody out there for tuning in today. And thank you, as always, to Shannon for being an amazing guest on the show. Thank you. You're listening to Get Yourself the Job with Jennifer Hill, only on LA Talk Radio. 